the free for all roundtable round two well, joining us this morning for round two are Deb Hutton, a former advisor to two premiers and at least one mayor, uh, a, a, uh, another uh, person who's been an advisor and is today a contributor to News Talk 1010 and senior co- counsel at National Public Relations, Bob Richardson, and Michelle Morrow, uh, who, among many other things, is a children's music teacher. Good morning to you all. Good morning. So uh, we just heard uh, Jerry saying he's going to be talking. We don't want to bore people with this, but it is a topic a lot of people are talking about, which is, you know, where goeth uh, Justin Trudeau, his government, the politics of the day uh, and so on. And uh, we've been talking this morning about, uh, you know, I I sort of look at a lot of this and say, well, it is midterm. It's an unusual midterm because you've got a government that's been around for a number of years now. They're in this unusual deal with the NDP. Um, And I think there is a certain fatigue that does sit in. We've all been involved one way or another. Uh, perhaps not you, Michelle, with governments that get a bit tired and the public pick that up, or maybe the people get tired of them. Uh, where do we think we are in terms of this whole you know, business of whether this is a fatigue that you never get over and that it results in eventually that government going to sleep and being thrown out, uh, and uh, whether it's because Mr. Trudeau is neglecting uh, what someone referred to as kind of the issues that really matter to Canadians? I'll start with you, Deb. Yeah, so, I mean, I was never uh, a supporter or a fan or even tolerated the convoy protest. But at the core of it, if it hadn't been uh, perpetrated by a bunch of yahoos, at the core of it were some really legitimate issues around people feeling that their federal government in particular was not listening to them. And I think that is what we're seeing. I think people feel that the Trudeau government is out of touch with their very basic needs, things like housing, affordability, education, health, whether those issues are federal or not, people are feeling like they aren't being listened to. And so I think Trudeau is in a lot of trouble. He is a good campaigner, as we know. So uh, it's not over till it's over. But Polyev has a wonderful opportunity to form a new coalition that speaks to those bread and butter issues that every family, regardless of their socioeconomic situation, is feeling. So, Michelle, um, you know, I can speak from a fairly, uh, you know, good position of of knowledge with respect to how much the Trudeau government has done through their national housing strategy. And the answer is quite a lot compared to what was being done, say, five, seven, eight uh, years ago. But is it a a question of quite a lot, but not enough and not soon enough, Um, you know, where they're going to get hoisted on an issue like this uh, for not doing more and announcing more, say, even coming out of that cabinet retreat last week where they should have come out and said, hey, we get it. We got to do a lot more. And here it is. Yeah, I think sometimes um, you can look at it on paper and you can see that uh, actions have been made and actions have been taken. But uh, unless sometimes people can see it directly in their lives and hear it from their friends, they don't believe it. You know, that feeling of like the sometimes stats will say one thing, but your feeling is completely different. So you don't believe the stats. I feel like a lot of people look at housing like that within their own circles. They're not seeing perhaps a lot of relief. So they are hesitant to believe that the government is doing as much as it is. I do believe that uh, Trudeau is looking um, tight. I think it's weird they're tired. He's just looking a little bit weary. And I know there's things that have gone on in his own life, but um, I feel like there's a shift happening similar to when Stephen Harper was nearing the end and Trudeau was starting to rise. I feel like Polly Ever is doing the same thing. We talked earlier this morning, uh, Bob, about this strategy that's out there in the news, and you know, you never know what what part of it's true or not true. But that Polyev has quite an active strategy of pursuing not just disgruntled liberal voters and not just voters in his own conservative base, but NDP voters. And we had Tom Mulcair and others on this morning talking about how this is, you know, quite a historic tradition. Actually, people wouldn't think about as much of what they call people who switch back and forth switchers between the NDP and the Conservatives. It doesn't normally stand to reason that that would be the case, but they say he's going after that group as well. Well, who are maybe these people feeling the government has lost touch with them? 
Well, he absolutely is, and he's after voters in Hamilton, Thunder Bay, Sudbury, Welland, down in the Windsor area is a good example. Is a good example of that. Part of the reason is uh, is that this government and the NDP, by extension, are not talking to working men. Uh, they're not speaking their language, and they're expressing absolutely no interest in them. And there's a fifteen to twenty point gap in the polls. So not surprise, not surprisingly, as a result of that. So this government. It's got to, this government's got to get moving. It appears a little exhausted. Uh, the retreat uh, was a good example. They built up housing and they built it up and built it up, and then they came out and they didn't do anything about it. So they've got they've got to think smarter and they've got to act. They they, they need to talk less and act more. It's a longer discussion for another day, but I tend to think it goes way beyond political parties or any given government that people have lost a lot of faith in the system, as I call it. I mean, I'm a free enterpriser, but I also find it very difficult for us to sustain a system whereby somebody who's making $50,000 a year and is told quite emphatically, our company can't afford to give you a raise just now. And then they read in the paper when the top five people from that company are published their salaries and so on, that they got an increase and a bonus and various other things. And that people are just saying, you know what, this system's not working for me at a time when I have an affordability, uh, you know, crisis going on. And that's not against free enterprise. I guess it, it is in a certain way. And it's maybe about the need for people to focus a bit more on, you know, how people are being treated across companies and across, uh, you know, employment. I, I forget what department I saw last week handed out. Maybe it was, was it CMHC or somebody handed out bonuses across the board where there's average public servants that are being told no raise for you. Deb? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's true. And and uh, like you, I'm a free enterpriser, John. So the notion that we would do something uh, in the private sector is is not something I'd support. However, in the public sector, we are hugely out of whack with what most people in the private sector are feeling and seeing in their paychecks, and starting, quite frankly, with the job security and with the pension plans, let alone the bonuses you just mentioned. Hugely out of whack. And that is something we can and should do something about. So it's the end of August, and that means uh, talk turns to schools, and of course talk turns many years, more so than people would like, to uh, labor relations in schools. And what we have is uh, a situation uh, now where, subject to being updated by the Minister of Education this morning, which will be covered by Jerry Agar, uh, that the the, uh, province has proposed to uh, have arbitration uh, fall into place sometime later in the fall if they can't reach an agreement to avoid a strike, and the teachers' union, some of them, I think most of them, have rejected that. Is this just part of the ongoing, you know, kind of uh, process that unfolds, uh, Michelle, each and every year in, in lots of labor negotiations, not just involving teachers, or is it something different? Oh my gosh, I feel like we're in Groundhog Day. I feel hmm. like every year this happens over and over again. I really wish we could find a contract that the teachers and the government could sign that would last more than one year. That is the ultimate goal in my head. I hate the feeling of always being like, oh, there's a strike looming, or oh, there's and we need to figure like arbitration is coming, but people don't like it. Sorry, that's my soapbox. I will put that away as a parent. On the other side, I really wish that the um, I really wish that there was a clearer message from what arbitration meant because I know myself reading the article. I'm not exactly sure why the teachers are turning it down, but I know that there are issues on both sides, and sometimes it seems like nobody wants to communicate uh, properly to each other, and nobody wants to step up and maybe not make a concession, but make a difference. That sounds so cheesy. I realize as I'm saying it. But I really wish that um, something was happening so we didn't end up in this mess again and again and again.
Bob, I mentioned earlier on this morning that uh, on the one hand, you've got a government that has, you know, some problems on its hands and really can't afford to get into a sort of huge mess with uh, teachers because that sort of gets parents uh, understandably completely destabilized and it hurts the kids. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, they also can't afford to just kind of give away the store because uh, while short term, they say they have quite a bit of money, they, you know, have a lot of things to look after with that money. Um, you know, wh where do you think this will come down in terms of how the government in particular conducts itself and the union. The unions know a strike won't be popular. The government knows a strike won't be popular, but the government also knows that they don't have an endless supply of money. Well, I think both of them uh, have got to get a little bit more real on this. I think the government has been jamming the union uh, a little bit by not negotiating in the last few months um, uh, in a serious manner. And I think the unions have got to focus on making progress and not on perfection, which is every everything that they want to do. Um, obviously, wages and pensions, etc., cetera, uh, need, to, need to be on the table and, and, and they have to be properly negotiated. I will say one thing on behalf of the government, though. I just do find it amazing that when the NDP were in, when the Liberals were in, uh, uh, and when the Conservatives are in, uh, they're always the worst government for education, and it's always terrible, et cetera, et cetera. There doesn't seem to be any uh, – uh, uh, there's, there's no bottom to the pit of what – uh, the uh, OSSTF, OACTA, and ETFO want. And that's a bit of a problem here. I think they have to narrow, narrow their scope, uh, try to make progress, and not aim for perfection. You know, Deb, I was going to comment just on exactly what Bob just said, and I, I'm I'm very pro-teacher in that I, as, as most people, I understand the incredible importance of their job and the difficulty of their job looking after other people's kids and, and teaching them, and maybe not in that order, the opposite order. But what is it about this relationship? Because going back further than Bob said, when I, and I'm much older than all of you, when I worked for Premier Davis back in the day in the 1970s and 80s, there were huge, he was seen as the most pro-education, pro-teacher Premier ever, and there were gigantic demonstrations on the front lawn of Queen's Park back then. What is it about this relationship, if you think about it, that goes beyond all of the other ones in terms of labor relations and so on, and, and has this kind of annual Groundhog Day type, uh, you know, uh, repetition? The teachers unions in this province are going to be way less kind than you and Bob, John. The teachers <laughs> unions in this province are destroying public education, period, full stop. What used to be an association that supported teachers and therefore supported kids in the classroom has become a militant union so badly out of touch with parents and with kids, it is disgusting. All right, well, let me My stop you there the just for a sec, because I, I, union leadership taking those positions is one thing. Do you think the membership of the unions, the teachers, because I meet all the teachers of my grandkids and you, you meet the teachers of your kids, they don't seem to be people who have this kind of militancy that you mentioned. Do you think they concur in the positions taken by their leadership or let them do it? I believe that the vast majority of teachers are embarrassed by the positions, and, and not just teachers, education workers. We just saw that more recently in the education system. I think they're embarrassed by the militancy of their unions. Yes, there are some teachers who have come through this system more recently who don't know any different and who believe the union is, is their savior. But the problem we have is they are so militant and they are so strong that teachers are afraid to step out. Because they see the power of the unions. And it is, I'm telling you, John, it is destroying public education. You share that view, Michelle, or do you share that concern? Absolutely. I think, uh, I think there's 
the teachers have less individual say, which I realize is what a union is. They're supposed to speak for everyone, but it's getting to the point where they speak almost for no one. The spot, the thought, the focus has become getting as much, as much, as much, as much for teachers without perhaps keeping the education in mind. And they need to come to the table realizing that, like what Bob said, the government doesn't have money for everything. And I wish there was more of a feeling that there was, uh, unions are more flexible and allowed individual thoughts from the teachers to come through whereas right now it is like our way for the high our way or the highway and i feel it's really hard for teachers to feel like the union is representing them 20 seconds bob any hope for a more productive kind of environment or are we headed down the same road as we've seen before i think unfortunately we're probably headed down the same road uh i think uh, there is uh, you know uh, some possibilities but uh, uh it's a tough one and uh I've taken the beatings. Deb's taken the beatings. You've taken the beatings. We all know uh, that that's what uh, this file tends to be about. True enough. Michelle and Deb and Bob, thanks very much for a great uh, round two for today. And that's all for me for today. John Tory filling in for John Moore. John's back tomorrow. He'll have on, among others, the police chief to talk about the car thefts. I want to say thank you to Robert, my babysitter in here in the studio today, and of course to Joe and to Nick for helping me get through all this, and we did our best. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, stay tuned for Jerry Agar after the 9 o'clock news. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.